For the past 40 years, Baruch Nachshon has been creating his colorful paintings. The world is very gray, and I have to bring some life and colors to the world. Now, the picture of your dreams can be in your living room. Click on nachshonartstore.com, and Baruch's symbolic surrealist creations can be yours. Everything in the creation, it is angel of Hashem. So I made all kinds of images. Baruch Nachshon. Lithographs, posters, books, and more. nachshonartstore.com Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. It's great to be here. You're listening to the Noahide Nation show right here on Israel National Radio. And I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and my friend and partner in crime, Adam Penrod. Come on in here, Adam. How you doing? Hey, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great myself. You know, in fact, I'm doing so well, I think I'm spontaneously involving right now. Evolving. I think so. I think, me, I, I think I'm growing a, a sixth finger, and I'm pretty sure I can feel a third eye developing right in the middle of my forehead. Me, I can't. I can't verify the third eye. I'm looking at the hand now. Let me get. Let me get my camera out. This will be one for uh, uh, funniest home videos. But anyway, we got a great show today, folks. We're, we're glad you uh, came on board and dialed us in for this uh, next hour. Uh, we have a very interesting guest. Uh, he is a Noahide. He is a friend. And uh, I actually was able to meet him personally for the first time out at the conference in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the World Conference. Was that your first time, too, Adam? That was the first time I ever met uh, him face-to-face. We, I've known of Doug for, for a while, and then uh, Doug and I have talked on the phone several times, and, but uh, the conference was the first face-to-face meeting, I think. I think that's how it is for a lot of us. We All of us kind of know of each other, <laughs> but we've never really met each other, other than either by phone or by email or, or what have you, Skype maybe even, but we when we finally do get that chance to, to meet face-to-face, uh, and, and when we do have that conversation later, we can then put a face to it. It just seems so much better. So the conferences are, are really a big deal, even just for that little thing. But anyway, we're not here talking about conferences. We're here talking <laughs> about Noahides. And Adam, why don't you uh, take us through the uh, seven Noahide laws? Uh, given the fact that this is the Noahide Nation show, why don't we uh, uh, give our listeners that it might be new uh, what those seven laws are? Well, Ray, I'm going to start off. I'm going to give you six laws that you absolutely never want to do if you don't want Hashem to strike you dead. So, number one, <laughs> don't commit idolatry. Don't worship other gods. Number two, don't commit blasphemy. Number three, uh, don't steal. Number four, don't murder. Number five, don't have intimate relationships with people you shouldn't, people or things or whatever that you shouldn't be having intimate relationships with. Uh, number six, don't eat the limb of a living animal. He's probably going to want that limb back later on. He might need to use it again. Uh, and then there's a positive commandment that God wants us to go out establish uh, courts of justice. And these seven are just the seven main categories, and of course they break down into, depending on who you're talking to, either 66 or 70 laws, but ultimately, my friends, they they do wind up being in the thousands uh, when you get right down to it. And today, we have somebody who is very, very well-versed 
uh, in these seven laws. And, in fact, he taught a class uh, for us in the Noahide Nations Torah Learning Center on the fundamentals of Torah. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him uh, in here for the show. His name is Doug Taylor. Uh, Doug, come on in here. How you doing? I'm very well, Ray and Adam. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to have you here. It is really great to have you here. And as I mentioned, and you may have heard me uh, tell Adam that the conference was the first time we were able to, to meet uh, face-to-face, and yet we had so many conversations. I was sitting here thinking, how many times have we talked and sent emails? Uh, I, I can't even put a number to it. Uh, but to be able to meet you in person was just uh, a, a grand opportunity for me, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Well, thank you. It was great to meet both of you as well. Now, you're living uh, uh, up in the, the uh, Pacific Coast in Washington. Are you in the Seattle area? Yeah, the greater, greater Seattle area. I'm in a small town uh, just about 20 miles north of Seattle called Edmonds, but it's part of the, the, the giant area we call Greater Seattle. Mm, now, are you near the ocean? I don't even know how close uh, Seattle really is to the ocean. Well, Seattle sits inland a little bit, but on uh, an area called Puget Sound, and I'm just probably about uh, a half a mile to a mile as the crow flies from Puget Sound, so we have an opportunity to uh, ride bicycles down there and uh, be on the water fairly frequently. It's a really wonderful place to live. Uh, yeah, I usually try to find out where the good fishing spots are and with, with all of our guests. So, uh, and don't, there don't... is some good fishing out here. <laughs> so I hear. I'll have to, to make that trip sometime. Now, I've mentioned to the audience that uh, you are a Noahide. You're a long-time Noahide. But uh, how, how long, Doug, have you been a, a Noahide? You know, that's a good question, Ray. I think best as I can peg it, it's probably about 20 years. Uh, I became exposed to the whole Torah approach to life for non-Jewish people uh, right about 1989, uh, and that's when I really began to get started in uh, Torah learning and uh, following that particular path. Now, I know uh, your wife, Cal, who I was, uh, uh, it was lovely to meet her out at uh, the conference as well. Uh, now, were, you, were, you were married at the time, right? Well, about the time that I first began getting exposed to this, we were engaged. Oh, okay. And so I had a little more familiarity with it than she did. Uh, and we sort of entered the beginning of this path together uh, and, you know, worked our way through and slowly figured out uh, what we thought made sense and why it made sense and uh, have been working on it together ever since. Well, good for you. I, I know that that is kind of a, a sticky issue once you've already gotten married and you come to that truth and the other spouse uh, isn't getting that truth it uh, can can tend to be a little difficult so it sounds like uh, Hashem really blessed you with uh, being able to face this sort of thing in advance of that <laughs> yes we've been we've been very fortunate and we've had some some excellent teachers and one of them along the way when, when we were in our very early days in this said to my wife you know, I can prove to you that the Torah life is the best life. And my wife, who is not one to back down from a challenge, said, <laughs> okay, Rabbi, you're on. And it took a number of classes and many months, but there came a point uh, down the road where she said to me one day, you know, he's done it. He's proven it to me that the Torah life is the best life right here, right now uh, on this planet. 
Wow, I'd like uh, to get some uh, tapes of, of those classes. Uh, any any chance of uh, that happening? <laughs> well, a number of those classes actually are available. Uh, they were given uh, primarily by uh, Rabbi Morton Moskowitz and are available uh, on the uh, Yeshiva B'nai Torah website. Ah, okay. Well, um, let me ask you a question. What was it that made you become a Noahide? What did you find? What was so appealing? What... What I guess you could say, what what uh, you know clued you in that you know Torah, keeping Torah specifically for a non-Jew was the way to go. Well, Adam, to answer that, I'd have to go back to my upbringing. Uh, I was raised in a, uh, a Baptist home, uh, and by the time I got to high school uh, years, I was a pretty zealous Christian, uh, the kind that you know thinks they have all the answers to life and is happy to tell you about them if you want to listen. Uh, <laughs> but maybe, I maybe if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Even if you don't want to listen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> have you heard the word of God today? There you go. There you go. In fact, I sort of had the attitude that, you know, if you really want to be where the action is in the center of the known universe, you'd not only be part of my religious approach, you'd be going to my church. Right. Uh, so uh, you can well, imagine how much fun I was to be around. In imagine it. I lived it. I was one of them, too. <laughs> but I began to realize that I didn't have the kind of internal peace that I wanted and that there were a lot of questions floating around uh, at that time that uh, I just didn't have good answers to. And so right after, right at the end of my high school years, I stepped away from uh, organized church, if you will, and began, uh, I guess, sh something just shy of about a 20-year circuitous journey trying to find out what's really true. And, and to get to, the, I guess, the short answer, Adam, uh, what caused me to become a Noahide was I wanted to know what was really true out there, not what necessarily this person said or that group believed or whatever, but uh, what's really true in, in the world and in the universe. And so I explored a bunch of different avenues trying to answer that question. And along the way, in somewhere in the mid to late 80s, uh, I got on uh, the mail list for a gentleman you're familiar with named Vendel Jones, who uh, was in addition to uh, being an, an archaeologist doing archaeological digs over in Israel, uh, was a former minister who had uh, come around to the understanding of Torah. And I ended up going on an archaeological dig with him in 1989. <clears throat> and during that time, someone handed me a copy of Feldheim's book, The Path of the Righteous Gentile. Hmm. And at that point, as I read that, uh, it was just for me like tumblers falling into a lock. It began to answer questions that I'd had for years and in a very you know, lucid and, and rational way. And so uh, that was my introduction in, a, in a, I guess, a major turning point to realizing that the, the truth of Torah was the truth that I was looking for. Uh, and so from there, then I began to get in touch with rabbis, uh, when I got back to the United States and got involved in uh, in learning and have been involved in that learning process ever since. So you have you learned with rabbis? Yes, I've had the very good fortune and good opportunity to study with uh, quite a number of them. Uh, the very first and foremost, and still uh, my halakhic mentor is Rabbi Israel Chait, uh, 
uh, who's the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva Menei Torah in Far Rockaway, New York. Um, I've had a chance to study here locally uh, with um, uh, Rabbi Morton Moskowitz, uh, who teaches at the uh, Jewish High School here in the greater Seattle area, uh, Rabbi Robert Kaplan, uh, Rabbi Saul Zucker, who has uh, been involved with Noahide Nations, uh, I think somewhat in the past several years, uh, Rabbi Reuven Mann, who was one of the speakers at the uh, the conference in Florida, and also Rabbi Moshe Ben Chaim. And there have probably been some others, but those are the, the major names that have had the biggest influence on uh, on my learning and my thinking. Well, that's quite a quite a, a, a impressive list. There, you know, most uh, Noahides only dream of uh, finding one rabbi that they can actually study with, and uh, you've had a, your own little squad of them. I know we've been incredibly <laughs> fortunate. Uh, partly being here in the greater Seattle area, there's a uh, you know a good sized Jewish community, so that there are folks available. They've also been uh, incredibly supportive of uh, Noahides, and so uh, uh, we've had the opportunity to you know attend a, a number of classes. And Rabbi Moskowitz has been uh, teaching me for most of the past 20 years, uh, plus then sporadically with some of the others. So I know that there are Noahides who are, <clears throat> excuse me, scattered around different parts of the world, and and as you say, dream of having uh, you know a rabbinic uh, teacher, and uh, fortunately, the internet uh, and recordings has made it possible now for lots of people to get information through shows like this and through websites and uh, online recordings and that type of thing. You know, um, my first introduction to you, Doug, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, my first introduction to you was um, reading some articles you'd written. I think it was on, was it Missouri.org? Um you had a number of articles you written on evolution and a couple of different subjects. Yes, it was a real interesting uh, story behind that. Um, Rabbi Moskowitz uh, did an analysis of a common proverb: um, uh, "Early to bed and early to rise makes men healthy, wealthy, and wise." And he went through and showed how, on its face, it doesn't really make any sense, <laughs> but then explained. Uh, uh, an analysis of it that did make sense and how you could interpret it in such a way uh, that it, it uh, made rational sense. Well, I took that information and I wrote an article about it. And then we thought, gee, this would be interesting to see if we could get this published. So I went to my local newspaper editor and uh, passed that to him as a, an article and said, uh, sat down and had coffee with him and said, you know, would you be interested if we produced a column? And he said, yes, I would. So Rabbi Moskowitz and I collaborated for, oh, gee, several years, turning out about 40, I think there's 40, 44 of these uh, fairly short articles, all taking uh, commonly held ideas and trying to explain what they really mean and how they really make sense. So it was a column on rational thinking, all based on Torah principles, but not necessarily about Torah content. Uh, so they were published in uh, this local newspaper, and then uh, after a while we compiled them into a, uh, an e-book that is now available for sale on uh, Masora.org. Oh, I had no idea. That's good news, because I've only read, I think, about a fourth of those articles maybe. So I'd be interested in getting a, a copy of that. That's, uh, but I've got to say that they were really well written, and I really enjoyed reading them. 
And uh, so, you know, of course, when you and I finally connected on the phone, I was like, all right, finally I get to talk to this this guy who I've read some of his articles, you know, really uh, very, you know, interesting and capable writer. So, uh, Well, I, I appreciate that. They were a huge amount of fun to put together. Uh, and, and we, of course, had an interesting problem of limited space because the uh, – the editor would only allow us about five or six hundred words, and so we had to sort of try to set the stage, uh, give the idea over, and wrap it up uh, in, in the, hopefully a, a humorous type fashion. And we did this all in a story format, right? Uh, in a dialogue format, sort of a Socratic type thing. Sure. You you seem you, you strike me as very Socratic, somewhat philosophical. Uh, have you had any any kind of training in that area, or is that just the way you come off? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there are a couple of things that have probably influenced me. My background is, is a profession, uh, professionally uh, in training. I'm an actuary, uh, which is uh, uh, applied mathematics to complex business and social problems. So I tend to think in, in those type of structured ways. But at the same time, uh, the training that I've gotten by studying with the rabbis, and uh, particularly Rabbi Moskowitz over the last 20 years, uh, most of which has been spent in studying the area of Proverbs, uh, taught me the, uh, the Torah approach to analytic thinking, uh, which is very Socratic in nature. And uh, sure. so I've, I've learned a lot from them, and then that spilled over into the, uh, the writing that I do and the way I tend to approach problems and ideas. You know, Doug, uh, speaking of learning and, and teaching, uh, you're currently teaching a class uh, for Noahide Nations on the uh, Noahide Nations Torah Learning Center uh, on the Book of Proverbs. Now, I know for myself, I had waited for this class on Proverbs for a very long time because the writings and the thoughts of King Solomon are just very profound and, quite frankly, very practical for application in our everyday lives today. In fact, I think the book could easily be called Common Sense because when you get right down to it, most of our life is or should be based on common sense. And this is exactly what you teach out of Proverbs. Now, I know our Noahide Nations members are thoroughly enjoying this class. And for everyone out there, this is your instructor, Doug Taylor, from you know, the class on Proverbs. Th- th- this is, a, you know, I, I've, I've recently started reading the Malbum's commentary on Proverbs. And it blows me away. Are, is, is some of your learning from the Malbum, or are you actually taking from different uh, um, um, rabbis, different thinkers? Well, it's, it's a little bit of both. We started out uh, years and years ago. In fact, the first book I ever got uh, for that class was the Malbum's uh, commentary on the Proverbs. Uh, what you find is that the commentators, uh, interestingly, take different approaches to uh, individual Proverbs. So you might pick one, a particular verse, and uh, Rashi may look at it differently than the Ibn Ezra, who may look at it differently than the Meiri, Sure. Who, uh, or Meiri, who may look at it differently than uh, Malbum does. And, you know, it took me a while coming out of the upbringing that I had and the religious background I had to accept the idea that, gee, there can be more than one valid interpretations of a particular thing. Because right. I kind of had it in my mind that, okay, just tell me what the right answer is. I just want the right answer. You know, that, that math thing coming out in me. Uh, you know, you know plus I, two is four. It's not maybe five or maybe three if you happen or, to, you know. Or, or maybe both, you or, know. Or possibly Or, or maybe both, right. right. Well, you know, the, but, 
But the, uh, the, the sages do have different interpretations of those, and the amount of wisdom that is in that book is just amazing. I mean, I, as I said, I've been studying it with Rabbi Moskowitz uh, for 20 years, and I will probably keep studying that book, you know, I hope for, for the next 20 years. Uh, we just don't ever end the insights uh, that, are, that are buried in that. Well, it's amazing, especially in the world that we live in today, where common sense seems to have lost the battle, that uh, we'd be sitting here talking about Proverbs, because King Solomon was a very, very intelligent man, but even beyond that, he was wise, seemingly beyond his years, beyond uh, human capacity, and when you read it, he brings it down to such a basic level that requires common sense. Mm-hmm. So your your class on, on Proverbs is excellent. I, I already know that. Uh, Proverbs is, quite frankly, it's one of my favorite books because of the situations you know we live through day to day and we see so little of common sense going on. I can always go back to that book and find where common sense is hiding. <laughs> that, that is very true. Uh, there's And one of the great things about the book of Proverbs is that you not only get the content out of it, which is very practical, it's very practical in terms of the problems that we face every day on a day-to-day basis. How do I get along with my boss? How do I get along with other people? How do I deal with this situation, that situation? But when approached properly, the actual process of learning also helps you, because instead of just reading content, the way we really get it at what's in that book is we ask questions and wrestle with the ideas and it's that wrestling process that hones our own analysis skills right so that not only do we get the content but we learn how to analyze an idea so that when we go out and run into you know ideas uh, you know out in our our practical day-to-day lives we have added skills to be able to analyze those in a more effective way which is extremely important uh, you know, right. uh, uh, most people don't have access to that kind of learning. Well, and maybe uh, when we come back from the break, because we're going to be coming up uh, uh, about a minute or so here, uh, you can share with us what materials uh, you would recommend to people in terms of the uh, further study or the deeper study of Proverbs beyond just the reading of the text itself. Uh, because I think Proverbs, you know, well, quite frankly, I think it ought to be a, a book that is taught in every school to every child uh, around the planet because it's, it's too valuable of a work uh, to remain more or less hidden because uh, our world doesn't seem to have much of it right now. <laughs> I agree. Well, and I, I think we'll go ahead and, and kind of uh, uh, hit the break uh, because uh, Israel National Radio, for some reason, they told me that they, they need to pay some bills. So we're going to go ahead and... Uh, thunk it. Yeah, yeah who, I never would have. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and bump up against the break. And in the meantime, folks, we hope you stick around and catch us on the other side. And for those who enjoy sending the emails, we enjoy doubly getting them. So keep those coming. Uh, you can just send them to Noah Hyde at at IsraelNationalRadio.com. You're listening to Doug Taylor. I'm Ray Patterson, Adam Penrod, and Noahide Nations here on IsraelNationalRadio.com. We'll be right back.
Oi, we're late to the airport, Harvey. If only I had called Menasha Sofer's airport service. Cut down on time at the airport. Introducing the ultimate airport experience by Menasha Sofer's airport service. The VIP meet and assist shuttle guarantees a completely stress-free traveling experience. Tell them you heard about it here at Israel National Radio. Online at msoferairport.com. M-S-O-P-H-E-R airport.com. Western Wall Prayers, 40 Days of Prayer for You at the Kotel, is a project of Kolot Tfilat Moshe, supporting families and Torah learning in Jerusalem. In gratitude for your donation, we pray 40 days for you at the Kotel, the Western Wall. For generations, Jews in Jerusalem have traditionally made this pilgrimage to pray for marriage, healing, children, income, and many other heartfelt requests. Visit westernwallprayers.org. That's westernwallprayers.org. back. We appreciate you folks sticking around with us uh, here on the Noahide Nation show. We've been talking with Doug Taylor, uh, another Noahide, and Doug's a long-time Noahide, obviously at 20 years, and uh, when we went into the break, we were talking about Proverbs, and so let me go ahead and kind of restate my question, Doug, about the secondary or ancillary material that one can use to really dive into the uh, study of proverbs like you have with uh, uh, rabbis well ray there's a couple a couple things that you can do there are uh, a number of commentaries out there that are in english for those who uh, don't speak hebrew uh, art scroll has a very nice two volume uh, commentary on proverbs uh, there's the uh, malbum's commentary is available in a separate volume and there are some others uh, that people can get to look and see what the the various commentators are uh, are commenting on with regard to individual verses in that. But one of the aspects of this study that uh, maybe goes a little bit counter to the American way that we're taught is that we're tend, I think in our society, we tend to be taught to cover a lot of ground very fast. Mm. And the real value in Proverbs comes by going slow and going deep. And so rather than trying to cover off a lot of material, what can be really helpful is to take a very small amount of it and then to explore it very, very deeply. When I went into my very first class with Rabbi Moskowitz on Proverbs, uh, we started out, uh, he said, I'll, I'll teach you Jewish philosophy and I'll teach it to you based on the book of Proverbs and we'll start with chapter 10. And I showed up for the first class and to be a really good student, I had read all of chapter 10 and all of chapter 11 in advance just in case we got through all of chapter 10 in the first hour course. Why doesn't that surprise me? (laughs) Yeah. And you can imagine that my experience was quite a bit different. We sat down and he said, uh, he's reading from the original Hebrew, and so he starts translating. And he said, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And he stops, and he says, okay, what are the questions? <laughs> and, and I looked at him, and I did not have really the foggiest idea what he meant. And I said, what do you mean, what are the questions? He said, what are the questions? Like, this is the beginning of the 10th chapter, right? Yes. The first starts out and says, the Proverbs of Solomon, right? I said, right. He says, that's the title of the book, right? I said, right. He said, why would the author put the title of 
chapter. When have you ever seen an author that does that? What are those words doing there? What's the purpose of them? Hmm. And then he said, it says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Well, why doesn't it say a wise son makes a glad mother, but a foolish son is the grief of his father? In fact, why doesn't it just say a wise son makes glad parents, but a foolish son makes grievous parents? Why did King Solomon put in that particular juxtaposition? And I'm just sitting there, you know, not saying anything, feeling like an absolute dunce, because he's getting into seeing details and things that I just would have glossed over because my mind hadn't been trained to look deeply. Right. And uh, so we ended up spending the entire first hour on that one verse. So my advice to, to folks would be, uh, you know, take a small section of this or whatever you happen to be learning and very deeply into it uh, and, and really ask questions deeply about that rather than feeling like you've got to cover a lot of territory. Uh, it's, it's more important to, uh, to understand one idea clearly than many ideas superficially. I think what you're saying here is excellent. I know some of the best classes I've been involved with have, have done exactly that. And in fact, in yeshiva, you know, that, that's what, what we did was we went slowly but deeply, um, you know, when, when possible. And, um, you know, you never – the funny thing is until you start asking questions or until you have an experience like you had with the rabbi, you don't always realize that there are actually questions there and that, uh, you know, actually you thought – you know, the example you gave is, is you heard the verse and said, okay, I get it, let's move on. But what you didn't realize was really you didn't get it. And, exactly. And that's, right. that's just such an amazing uh, experience to have because then you start looking at the, the, the Torah or, or, or the Tanakh or whatever in, in a much different light. I mean, you know, there, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who have read their Tanakh many, many times and think, you know what, I've got a pretty good handle on this. I know what's going on. And in reality, they, they don't. And uh, I remember, um, you know, back in college, if you wanted to be impressive as a person who knew your Bible, then you would have all the scriptures memorized and you could just say them back at, at a moment's notice. But what, something that I ended up realizing was, was that, well, just because you've got a lot of information memorized, that doesn't mean you understand it. And that it's probably better if you spend your time trying to understand something than it is trying to memorize it. Exactly. Well, and I know in our society, one of the big problems is, is, is uh, uh, people have changed their way of thinking. I mean, we actually live in uh, literally a fast food society. We want it now, now, now. In fact, yesterday would have been better. And, and I think a lot of that uh, has contributed to this uh, where it's a competition of how many books can I read rather than how many books can I understand. And in this case, it's how many verses can I understand. So I guess the, the moral of this is even though you're not a doctor, we must still have patience. I see you've been so, watching that's a pop a very good point. Yeah. I, I uh, ran into a gentleman uh, many years ago who was an avid reader and read something like five to seven books a week. I mean, it was a huge number. And I happened to mention this to one of my rabbinic mentors, and I noticed that he was quite unimpressed. And his comment was, it doesn't really matter how much you read. The question is, did those ideas affect the person? Because if those ideas didn't affect the person in some way, then what was the point of the process? Right. Makes a lot of sense to me. Right. And that's what the study of Proverbs does over a long period of time is, is that you, you engage in those kinds of questions like Rabbi Moskowitz was asking of me. When you, when you engage in those kinds of questions with the material, then you train your mind to be asking questions like that 
all the time. Well, you, you, and that really can change how you look at life and how you uh, deal with things on a practical day-to-day you, basis. You know, some people might have the impression that you only do this with the book of Proverbs, but, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that very much Judaism has sort of a questioning culture, a culture where they where they don't take anything lightly. They read something in the, in, in the Torah, and they, they really question it and strive to understand it. This is the secret behind Rashi. Um, this is a secret behind all the rabbis. And this is why we mentioned earlier in the show why you can read four or five different commentaries and you can have slightly different or even vastly different opinions on even the same verse because, you know, when you, get, when you engage yourself seriously into a process of analysis, it's, it's possible to come to different conclusions, especially the, the deeper and deeper you go into it. I absolutely agree. And it's that learning to question. You know, even if it's a Torah passage or whatever, you know, why did they write it this way? Why sure. is this there? Why is that there? That really engages us in the opportunities for deep learning. You know, the funny thing, though, is is that when you when you start learning this Torah mindset of uh, an approach to knowledge, um, how, you know, the, the, the accidental casualties that occur outside of your, your Torah study, when you're dealing with the average person on the street or a member of your family where they ask you a question and the next thing you know they're getting a full-blown analysis and questioning of whatever it is they've asked. And uh, I've seen many times the, the, the shocked and confused looks <laughs> as, I, I, as I've puzzled through a question and then go, well, it could be this or it could be that, you know. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny because once you, once you sort of get into that mindset, it's kind of hard to, it's hard to turn it off and really you don't want to turn it off, I don't think. No, in fact, I think that's part of, our, well, at least here in the Western uh, world, you know, I don't know what it's like anywhere else. We have a tendency to gloss over virtually everything without being a, a critical thinker. And certainly in Christianity, you, in fact, many facets of Christianity, you're not allowed to ask a question. Right. In fact, you're looked upon as a fool. Well, the answer is you must have faith. Right. What do you mean? Do you have a question? Especially if you're, you know, challenging some of the critical ideas that we've challenged in our life. You know, it's it's kind of funny. Um, there, there was actually a, I don't know, Rafe, you got this email, but there was an email sent out. Benjamin Netanyahu, who was interviewed on the BBC the other day, and in the interview, the the, the person asked him, "How can Israel justify its position?" You know, of wanting, you know, its its place or whatever, or defending itself when more Palestinians have been killed than Jews in, in this in this conflict, right? And so Netanyahu responds back very, you know, wittily and very quickly, and he goes, he goes, "Are you sure you really want to ask this question?" He goes, "Isn't it true that in World War II that more Germans died than Americans and Brits together, right?" And so his question was, was what do the numbers of casualties have to do with who was right or who was wrong in the conflict, right? And I remember that, that one, of the, one of the people who was, who was receiving these emails just missed the point completely because of this lack of critical thinking, mm-hmm. went on started asking about statistics. You know, well, what about the statistics of, you know, more Russians were killed, yada, yada, yada. It was like, you know, if you had that, that, that level of critical thinking, you would have really – honed in on what the point was in the conversation. So there is this lack. Even people who have been educated in college or, or whatever else, they're not really taught this critical thinking skills. And this is kind of, I think that anybody who uh, wants to learn, I think that this is a great opportunity for them to come you know, take your class on Proverbs to, to, to really start learning how to do that. And they can actually start applying it in, in, in everyday things, not just with Torah, but with all questions, political or spiritual, whatever. It's a great point, Adam. Uh, you know, in the days of the ancients, 
logic was considered a prerequisite to the study of any other field, and yet right. now in our educational system, logic is an elective course, right. which, it which is. Uh, you know, you can find yourself in a situation of uh, how would I feel about being diagnosed with a serious disease by someone who's never been taught how to reach well, a, a proper conclusion. It, it's even worse than that, Doug. I took a logic class. I, you know, I'm a philosophy major. I took a logic class in college. And I go into the logic lab, and we have the teaching assistant, who's a philosophy major, working on her master's. And she announces at the beginning of the class, I don't like logic. Therefore, we're not re- I'm not going to really make you do the homework so much. I'll just give you the answers. Wow. <laughs> right? This is, I, mean, I mean, even within the, the, the discipline of philosophy, <laughs> watch out what you're getting. You know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, critical thinking. It's, it's become, uh, well, it's been, logic has become associated with arguing for no good reason is what it's become synonymous with, unfortunately. And so when people talk about reasoning or discussion or debating or whatever, it, in their mind it equals you picking on somebody else. And it's a complete misconception, I think. It has become somewhat demonized. But I'm uh, curious, Doug, I mean, obviously you're you know, very knowledgeable and just sitting here listening to you, and I know I've sat in and listened to some of your classes, uh, you're very easy to understand and you, you convey and make your points so easily. Are you a, a teacher uh, at all of other no-hides up in your neck of the woods in Washington? Do you have a no-hide group up there? Well, we have a no-hide group, uh, I guess, and I'll use the term group slightly loosely uh, in, the, in the greater Seattle area. There are a number of us up here. We're geographically scattered. I mean, the greater Seattle area is a pretty large area. So, for example, some of the people live, you know, maybe a good hour, maybe even an hour and a half drive away from us. So we don't get together uh, on, a, on a frequent basis, but we try at least several times a year to hold some sort of a thing where we physically get together and meet and talk, you know, have a meal together and uh, chat and share. Most of the classes that we do in this area, we do by uh, conference phone. Uh, so Rabbi Moskowitz has a, co- a class that, um, uh, that he teaches uh, that's available uh, Rabbi Moshe Ben-Haim of Masora.org uh, also does a specific Noahide class on Sunday mornings that is available uh, both by conference phone or over the net for those who don't want to dial in and uh, would rather not incur the expense of the long-distance call. Um, I don't do any local uh, teaching other than my own family uh, up here in this area, but I have had the privilege of, of uh, teaching a fundamentals class on Noahide Nations, as you uh, alluded to earlier. Now, let me ask you a question. Doug, I remember a couple of years ago, you and I were both teaching a fundamentals class <laughs> on Noahide Nations, and uh, I remember getting a phone call, or I called you, you called me, or something like that, and it was a, it was like, uh, you know, I think we were both surprised to find out we were both basically doing the, the, the same type of class. Um, was this, is, is this that class that you're talking about? That is the one. That's correct. <laughs> this was really funny because in a lot of ways, we definitely had some differences, but there, it was kind of funny because a lot of the, the, the content was very similar. And uh, I, I always found that very amusing that, uh, that, we, that uh, we, we had kind of gone along the same path. Because, you know, but it's, it's also very logical because you know, if there's one thing that I've seen that Noahides need, which they don't really have, it's, it's the basics. You know, they, they, there's there's this complete lack of basics for Torah or for, you know, what is the Torah? What is this? What is that? 
I mean, they, they don't really know. They don't really have a place to get that. Unfortunately, sometimes they're just sort of uh, shuttled into a little van going to Kabbalah land. And they're never, <laughs> you know, they're never, ever, you know, kind of introduced to, you know, this is what the Torah is. This is, this is uh, you know, the, the Talmud and yada, yada, yada. You know, I remember even from my own personal experience when I was first getting into to Torah, the Talmud, I, I, you know, I had, I had become a Noahide. And I used to tell everybody the virtues and wonders of the Talmud. But I'd never opened or seen a Talmud until I went to Israel. And I was very surprised by what the Talmud actually was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think this, this idea of doing a fundamentals class is, is awesome. And I understand that, that you might be publishing a book based on this? Well, well I'm hoping to. Uh, yeah. We, we uh, developed a, a, the fundamentals class, you know, that you just described. And uh, interestingly, along the way, we got uh, in contact with a Noahide family in a, actually a small little community over in India, and they asked if there were ways we could support them in their learning. And so I had the notes for this class that I developed for Noahide Nations, and I thought, well, if I just, you know, work a little bit to spruce these notes up, I could turn them into something that someone could read. And so I basically wrote them uh, class by class, and I, I called them chapters, giving over the information that I did in this fundamentals class to them in writing. And then by the time, somewhere along the way, it occurred to me, you know, <laughs> If this all comes together, there's probably enough for a book here uh, to put out something that would be helpful, as you say, for people who are just coming into this to lay the basic foundation work to understand, okay, you know, how do we figure out what's true? Is there a proof that there is, in fact, a creator? Um, what are the seven Noahide laws? How do I deal with things like prayer and holidays and parents and right. study and all these different things? And so we have the, the information now in writing, and now we're just looking at options for what, what's the most uh, efficient way that we could get this published out so that other people could take advantage of it. Well, that's really exciting. I, you know, I would love to have a book like that. You know, even for using with, with you know, sometimes I teach classes here and there, and it, 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 it seems like it, it's such a, you know, I've, I've thought so long that if there's one thing that Noahides needs, it, they, they need to learn the basics, and that there's just not enough basics learning out there. You know, I, I remember playing football, and the coaches always said, it's always the fundamentals. You've got to study the fundamentals. If you're not studying the fundamentals, you, that's where your the error is always going to creep in. And, you know, I really, you know, wish you success in getting this published. I hope that if there are any listeners out there who may have some uh, spare pocket change rattling around in there they don't know what to do with, maybe they could uh, contact you and help you get that published because, this really is something that I feel that, that uh, Noahides need. Well, and we're going to try and do something with Noahide Nations to get this published because uh, we also have the classes that we can uh, take the book and the CDs so that people will have a kind of a double effect right. of being able to use a text along with listening to Doug teach the class. Sure. So it'll have that much more impact uh, as well. And hopefully with Hashem's help, we'll be able to uh, pull that off. And uh, uh, certainly if there are folks out there that have an interest in uh, assisting or shall I say sponsoring some of this book, we'd be happy to talk with you, wouldn't we, Doug? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I think it uh, is a, a worthy class because, as Adam mentioned, a lot of the uh, problem with the no-hide movement is that everyone wants these wants to attack the, the loftier thoughts and loftier wisdom, which you can't really get to in, in a proper manner without having the fundamentals, without having the basics. So not only is that true, it's even more so true that your class was named entirely correct, Fundamentals of Torah for Non-Jews. And, you know, I think it really uh, hits the home run. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, you're, you're absolutely right in that there is a tendency, I think, in our society to want to kind of jump to the uh, the high levels quickly, kind of like people who walk into a martial arts dojo who've never trained before, and they right. may say to an instructor, can you teach me how to jump up in the air and kick five opponents like Bruce Lee does in the movies in the next hour? <laughs> right. And it's like, well, yeah, I could probably teach you that if you have, you know, about two or three or five years of experience working on basics, because you have to lay a solid foundation. And, and part of the whole tour approach, of course, is to make sure that we understand that we know what we think and why we think it. Not just we believe something because somebody told us that, but I start at the very beginning like a mathematical system, and I can say, I understand this because I understand that, because right. I've worked that out and that out and that out. And so I, I'm not in a sort of a, a blind belief situation, but a, a case of knowing clearly why I think what I think, because I've got a solid foundation I can go clear way back to the beginning and understand. Kind of reminds me of that movie, uh, The First Karate Kid. Right. Where he's getting picked yeah. on and beat up, and, and he goes to uh, Miyagi, and he, you know, he wants to learn how to fight yesterday. I want to learn to fight right, right now. Right. And what's he do? He hands him uh, uh, the, the sponge. Right. And wax he on, takes, wax, off, yeah, yeah. wax the car, wash and wax <laughs> the cars. Wax on, wax off. Walks on, walks off, and by the time he's done, like, he doesn't he doesn't get it. It's like he's doing all this work, but he hasn't learned how to fight yet. Right. And then he shows him what the wax on and wax off did. Right. And all of a sudden, it made sense to him right then. But that's because he, he can't get to the loftier side of well, in this example, martial arts, without that fundamental, without sure. having done that and just happen to be wax on wax off sure. same with torah study you cannot get to the, the 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 true kabbalistic study in fact you probably couldn't in a lifetime really but you have to have the fundamentals to get there to study the uh, the midrash the talmud you got to have the fundamentals that means at least get into the text and read some of the commentary. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've heard of people trying to, to even read. Just we're just talking. We're talking about the Talmud. Just read. You know, they've got an English edition of the Talmud. They start reading it and they think they they know what the Talmud's saying. Well, excuse me, but I know that you don't know what you're talking about because the Talmud is is it's very complex. It's, it's a very logical system, and once you you get into it, you can start dissecting along those lines. But the fundamentals have always got to be number one. Even when you know the fundamentals, you got to relearn them over and over and over again. Well, Doug, and the reading of some of those works, like the Talmud on one's own, can be really dangerous because you, you can't really learn the Talmud without a teacher. And right. The danger is, of course, you end up thinking you know something, and then you're going down a wrong path and then pretty soon you're you know miles away from what the truth is right well Doug we're coming up at the to the end of the show and do want to say thank you very much for joining us today uh, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners uh, just an encouragement to dig into study and ask lots and lots of questions <laughs> 
Here, here. <laughs> well, folks, listen, it's been great having you on board for this past hour. Doug, thank you again for joining us. And please, folks, keep an eye out for that potential book called The Fundamentals of Torah for Non-Jews. And again, we thank you for being here. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, along with Adam Penrod, here on Noahide Nations on IsraelNationalRadio.com. And please always remember, my friends, always look to the heavens for your help from Hashem, because I guarantee he's always looking out for you. Shalom Yitzhia. Machon Hartzion, an Orthodox Jewish organization, offers educational programs in Israel about the Jewish faith for everyone who loves the God of Israel. Machon Hartzion opens its doors of spiritual knowledge to Jew and Gentile alike. Machon Hartzion stands to share true spirituality with people of all faiths. Visit www.hartzion.org. That's H A R T S I O N.org. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to stop being active. Frequent trips to the bathroom are a thing of the past with Prisobrant Opuntamal, the miracle development from Israel's cactus flower. Priso can help with its natural remedy made from the Opuntia flower. Don't just suffer, get Priso. It really helps. For more information, visit www.priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O.com.